Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm just excited to be able to spend yet another Sunday uh, with you. I want to welcome everyone that's joining us online, no matter where you're joining us from. And I actually want to start today uh, speaking specifically to our online campus. And I just want to say to you uh, that I'm really glad that you, yes, you, are here. That we actually really love you. And our hope is that you really understand that no matter where you're joining from today, that you really matter to God and you matter to us. And so we don't see you as just like a metric, a data point, um, that we know on the other side of that screen is a a whole person. And my hope for you is that that you feel, because you are a part of this family and a part of this movement, and that as we talk through these messages, that that you're taking that to heart and you're also... uh, you know, taking these next steps no matter where you're joining from today. But most importantly, man, we love you and we're so glad you're here. And that's true for all of you too. Um, but online is special to me. Um, but as I was preparing for today and looking ahead for today, I was actually forced to kind of look back. And I love being a part of a, a forward-moving, forward-focused, forward-momentum uh, movement and organization. And what I realized is I don't always do the best job at looking back. Now, I know we're not supposed to live in the rearview mirror, but I don't do the best job at looking back and kind of processing some of the things that, that I've walked through. And I, walk, and I think as a whole, you know, we're not great at this. I mean, I work with a lot of people uh, that are walking through grief or walking through trauma, or maybe divorce, or maybe they're getting married after divorce. And we don't always do a good job, you know, kind of recognizing the the path that we've been down, the journey we're on, and, you know, maybe learning from some of those things, acknowledging some of those things, being grateful for them, or, or letting some of those things go. And I think that's true for the majority of us, as we've actually all been through a really hard season, probably over these past 16 months, through this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, We've been through a lot. And and for you, it might be something as simple as not having a high school graduation. Or maybe you had to postpone or scale down uh, this dream wedding that you've been dreaming about for years. Or cancel that family trip that you've been sacrificing and saving for for years to be able to go on. Or maybe you had to shut down your business. Something that you've been grinding for for years. And maybe you had to shut that down. Maybe you had to let that go. But I know for all of us, you know, if we look back over these past 16 months, we all have something. And so I want to ask you this morning, because I want to start today kind of shrinking this big room into a small room. And I want us to walk in today with a sense of empathy, of unity, of camaraderie, because we really are in this together. So I want to ask you, I want you to raise your hand if when you look back over these past 16 months, uh, if you walked through some hard days or hard weeks, maybe you had to let something go, maybe you got something canceled, maybe you lost something, maybe you lost someone and you didn't have a chance to really uh, honor them because you couldn't have a public funeral. So if you've been through something pretty hard or walked through some challenges in your life over the past 16 months, simply raise your hand. Okay, if you struggle with telling the honest truth, uh, you can raise your hand as well. Because I really do believe that all of us have walked through something. You know, I know even for our family, something small, when I was kind of looking back, is I remember the very beginning when restrictions started to come in and when we were isolated, 
was sitting with my eight-year-old daughter as she just wept because she was heartbroken that her spring break camp that she'd been waiting all year was canceled. Now, that may be a small thing, but man, I felt her emotion and I felt her pain in that week. And and that was actually pretty tough uh, as a dad to walk through. But my hope for today, my hope for you and, and me, is that we walk out of this service today, our time together, or wherever you're joining from today online, uh, a little more encouraged, a little more inspired. I hope that you would leave today with your head held a little higher than when you walked in. And so I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag here. I really believe that some of the hardest moments that we walk through can be our finest hours. Now, the first reason I believe this is because I think that it's through trial, it's through struggle, it's through tribulation, challenge, grief, uh, growth, all those things that we actually grow, that we're actually changed. And, And it's uncomfortable, right? Growth is uncomfortable. And we live in a culture that's increasingly trying harder and harder and harder to live as comfortable of a life as possible. And I think... I mean, I, this is, I've learned the opposite in my life. That the real, the real life, full and abundant life that God created us to live is really on the outside of that. It's on the outside of our comfort zone. It's in the uncomfort zone. And I think we'd all agree that, that the seat you're sitting in today, that this, our church home is pretty comfortable. It's pretty comfortable, right? For those of you that joined us for 25 years in a portable facility in a gymnasium, you'd agree this is pretty comfortable. (laughs) And what I gotta share with you is this building made a lot of Southsiders very uncomfortable for a long time. About five years to be exact. Let me explain. Uh, This building reminds me of an amazing quote um, from one of our core small group leaders. And this building represents a lot of things, but to me what it represents is a huge amount of faith. So many of you won't know this because you know, you're new to Southside over these past few months and seasons, um, but the vision behind this building started actually in 2013, all those years ago, uh, when Southsiders came together, sacrificially gave above and beyond their regular giving, and we purchased our North Campus facility, our first ever piece of real estate, affectionately called The Hangar because it legitimately was a retrofitted helicopter hangar. I use retrofitted pretty lightly because it was, it was barely retrofitted from a helicopter hangar. And then a couple years later in 2015, uh, Southsiders came together again, sacrificially gave above and beyond their regular giving and uh, gave $1.8 million, uh, which actually went into acquiring the piece of property that this church is built on today. So fast forward to the fall of 2018, where uh, we started to meet with a bunch of our core uh, Southside leaders. And uh, we had these series of vision events up at the Cultus Lake, or Cultus Lake Lakeside Beach Club. And the intent of those vision events was to cast the vision we had of the More campaign, where we had this expanded vision uh, that we were gonna commit $6 million to go towards not only uh, building this facility, but also increasing absolutely everything that we were gonna do as an organization. And a part of that event was afterwards, uh, a leader that represented each table would come up and share uh, their thoughts on this vision, hopefully positive. And so this leader came up and he said something that I will never, ever, ever forget. 
He said, I love being a part of a church where church people are willing to get uncomfortable so that unchurched people can feel comfortable. And what he meant was, is I love being a part of Southside where, where regular church people, us ordinary word people, are willing to get uncomfortable in our generosity, make ourselves financially uncomfortable to fund this vision so that we could continue to reach people far from God, whether it's de-churched or unchurched people, in effective and loving ways. So profound. Now, there's another reason why that story actually means so much to me. And I've, well, I can't say I've never shared it. I shared it at the first service, so I'm going to share it again with you. So quite a long time before we ever uh, had a vision event, before we really fully put the handles on this more expanded vision, uh, there was a, a key leader, business leader, developer in our community um, that wanted to meet with me to go over kind of these projections and these numbers and our plan um, for this building and for this vision. And this is someone that I respect and look up to and I knew probably has a lot of insight that I could learn from as kind of leading this project. So we met. And, and I shared all the numbers and the plan. And he looked at me and said, Dave, he's like, I love the heart behind what Southside's doing and what Southside represents. But I have to be honest with you. He's like, I've, I've done countless projects and these numbers don't add up. It's, it's not possible. You're not going to be able to do it. And I remember in that moment, uh, it, was, it was demoralizing. It was, it was discouraging, to say the least. This is someone I look up to, someone I knew was, the, you know, the expert. And I remember before I could kind of let that discouragement sink in, because I, you know, walking in this, I had my own doubts, as anyone would, as far as my own abilities. And before that happened, I, I just looked at him and said, man, I know that we're taking a huge step of faith in launching into this project and this vision. And if our faith made sense all the time, it actually wouldn't be faith at all. And we actually believe here that God's actually called Southside Church to be in Chilliwack, to be for this city. And so we know that, we're gonna, that he's calling us to take this step and we're gonna take it. And we're just gonna trust and have faith that God's gonna take care of the rest. So fast forward from that meeting to this vision event, you know, probably eight months later, Lakeside Beach Club, where this leader just stood up and said, I love being a part of Southside, where church people are willing to get uncomfortable so that unchurched people can feel comfortable. And that hit me like in my soul, because it was in that moment that I knew, I knew, when I heard those words, I was like, God has got an awesome plan, and it's gonna happen. So the fact that I even get to share that story with you from this stage is remarkable. And you know what, we had this goal to raise $6 million over those two years, and we didn't raise $6 million. God worked in an amazing and an uncomfortable way through the generosity of ordinary purple people, <laughs> ordinary people in our church, in our city, and we didn't raise $6 million. Sosa gave $11.3 million to this vision. And it wouldn't have happened if we didn't choose to, to walk through that uncomfortable uh, season. The second reason I believe that our hardest moments are our finest hours is when you read through the Bible and you really lean into the heart of God and a thread that's woven through the entire Bible, his favorite story, his favorite plot line is one of redemption. It's a story of redemption. James 1.12 said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. 
because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I believe that God wants to take some of your hardest moments and turn them into your finest hours. I think a lot of times we, we connect with each other through, through pain, through the challenges in life. I mean, it's awesome to celebrate wins with each other, but I mean, we really connect on that empathetic level. And I, I know that, it, that it's real life that we kind of reach out and beg God and ask him, you know, why do we walk through some of these seasons of, of pain or grief or just stress and struggle? And I know that what I've learned, at least in my little life, is that God puts so much purpose in our pain. And for you, it could be something as simple as walking through that and just being able to, to speak into someone else's life, to encourage them, to lift them up, to lift up their head and say, hey, it's gonna be okay. You can do this. I mean, that's a significant thing because growth hurts. I mean, it hurts to grow. I, I always, I kind of talk about it like a farrier or a blacksmith forging metal like a sword. You know, that metal is thrust into the fire and it's heated up, expands, it's purified and it's pulled out and it's put on the anvil and it's beat and beat and beat and then it's cooled down and then it's get thrust into the fire again. It's refined and molded and shaped and I'd imagine, man, that hurts. And so I know looking around this room and for those online, that you are the people you are today because of the time that you've actually spent on the anvil, growing and changing, whether you recognize it or not. And one of the greatest examples of this that I have in my life uh, is a story that I'm about to share, and this is something that, that I think about all the time. There's not many days that actually go by in my life that I don't think about uh, what I'm about to share with you. So my mom was the oldest of six children, and uh, my mom and dad actually grew up together and my dad was my uncle's best friend. So if you haven't put it together yet, my dad married his best friend's older sister. Right? A little scandalous. And just like my wife Becky and I, uh, they were high school sweethearts. And they had this dream. They had this dream that they wanted to move out west and build a log home. And they did. So with four boys, uh, they packed up their life in the the farming hills of Ontario and drove across Canada in a U-Haul, uh, camping along the way to the mountains of BC. And they actually lived in a lumber camp, which I'll leave that up to your imagination, what a family with four boys living in a lumber camp would be like. Uh, but it was a wild adventure and where they learned this craft, this trade of how to build a log home. And then they purchased a, a beautiful piece of property on Harrison Lake and they began to, to build this dream. And I actually have a VHS footage of it, for those of you that remember what a VHS tape is. I don't even know if I can find a VCR nowadays to play it, so I'm glad I remember it. Uh, but a VHS tape of literally like me being in a playpen once I was born on this foundation while logs are being like craned overhead and placed uh, in position while my four brothers were gallivanting around the forest. I mean, it's probably why I have like a high risk tolerance in my life. Um, but it, it was a, a wild adventure but I think it's, it's wildly romantic. And so log by log, they began to build this dream up until the point where the roof was just about to go on. And what I have to say is, my dad never got to see that dream become a reality. Because before the roof went on, he, uh, 
He died. In 1987, he passed away of a, a, a tragic uh, brain aneurysm. And when I think back to that moment, one of the most inspiring and encouraging moments, and it's actually something that I, I consider part of like my heritage and, and legacy, is that at the age of, of 35, after burying her husband with five boys, is uh, the moment that my mom decided in faith to get back up on that ladder to serve our family, those five boys, and to put that roof on and to finish that dream. 2 Corinthians 12 is something that's played out so many times in my family's life. It's where God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That my power is made perfect in weakness. I tell people all the time, I say, man, my mom is an amazing woman of faith. If the Bible was written today, she'd be in it. And that moment where she decided to get back up on that ladder and to serve our family, I consider that her finest hour. And I'm here to tell you this morning that one of the most powerful steps that you can take in faith, no matter what you're going through, is the, is the decision to take that step to get back up. I've been asked before if, if it's easy for our staff to get up here and share raw, vulnerable things from our heart. A few weeks ago, we heard from Pastor Lucas who shared an incredible raw story from his life. If you missed it, you have to go back and listen to it. And, and I mean, I can't speak for everyone, um, but when I'm up here sharing some of these things, I do think it's easy, and you know why? Because I know we're in this together. And when I look around this room, I, I know many of your stories. And I know that you've all been through hard things that you've all been through challenging seasons or painful things, that I'm actually not special, I'm not unique, that, that I'm just like you, that we are actually in this together. A few weeks ago, we saw 55 people take their next step of baptism. And we got to hear from some of their stories. And we heard from an awesome young man, Andrew Fernando, who's sitting right up here at first service, it was awesome. And he shared uh, his story of, of how uh, he experienced racism in his life, how he was discriminated against, how he was extremely bullied. And I found it so motivating and so inspiring because that wasn't the end of the story. He talked about how God's working in and through his heart to change him and how he's actually changing the world. I know, if you don't know him, uh, when you're in the lobby, just look for like the happiest person. And it's Andrew Fernando. And I told him first service right up here, I'm like, man, God has a plan to change the world in and through you. And the same is true for all of you. That when we actually take some of those challenges, some of those hard things that we've walked through and we give them to God, he actually transforms our heart and our minds and our lives. Philippians 1, 6 says this, be confident of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, we read that verse and we think, yeah, I want God to, to, to finish a good work in me. And, and what the verse is really talking about is that God is working on your story of redemption, that it is a good work and that we have to keep following that path and that journey and that he's actually gonna change the world through it. That he wants to take some of those things that we've been, maybe it's some of the mistakes we've made, our own sin. Maybe it's some of the hurts and transgressions that people have done against us. But God actually wants to take those things that were actually meant for evil and turn them to good. Like God actually takes one of some of your hardest moments and turn them into your finest hours. When I look, when I look back over these last 16 months, there's a couple of things that I think all of us have really struggled in. I think we've really struggled in our minds, right, our mindset. I think we've also struggled in our motivation. And what I find encouraged in, in my faith and my journey is that we serve a savior, we serve Jesus, who actually, no matter what you've been through, has actually experienced and felt as a person what you feel, what you've been through. Because Jesus experienced uh, betrayal. Jesus experienced temptation. Jesus experienced grief and loss. He endured great pain and suffering. He knows how we feel. And I wanna pick up a story that we can kind of take from today. Uh, and you all have heard about it, whether you've ever been to church before or not, it's called the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper because it's the last time in Jesus' mortal life that he actually gathered and ate with his best friends, his disciples. And as a part of this dinner, it was a part of the, the Passover festival, uh, they, they gathered and they ate together. And at a portion of this dinner, uh, gathered, got a Jesus got a wash basin, got down on his knees and began to wash his disciples' feet, which is pretty gross already. But if you knew anything about the cultural context, in that day, uh, people didn't expose their feet. They were covered in robes and they only wore sandals. So their feet were extremely dirty, disgusting, and gross. And one of the most humbling acts of service you could do is wash someone's feet. So we'll pick the verse up here. John 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What I find astounding about that story is Jesus knew that what was about to happen had been prophesied for hundreds of years. That that night he was gonna be arrested, he was gonna be betrayed, and in the future, in the soon weeks to come, or days to come, he was gonna be crucified. So in one of Jesus' last public acts with his best friends, he chose to actually serve them. I don't know about you, but if, if I knew that I was gonna die, that it was imminent, uh, I'd probably be wanting to do some pretty selfish things. Right? I'd be booking a trip to Disneyland with the kids. I'd probably go to those beach huts that are like above the water that we see on like Instagram all the time in like Bora Bora, Maldives, where, a place that I'll never go probably. Uh, maybe the Super Bowl, I don't know. But it probably wouldn't be serving others. 
I'd like it to be. And so I ask you this, how paramount, how significant and impactful do you think it is to God that we live a life of service as a part of our journey, as a part of our story? Because I believe what makes serving and having that posture and that mindset so incredible is, is that it actually begins to renew our mind and how we think, and it actually begins to change how we act. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think right now, we, we really, a lot of us, myself included, we need a renewing of our mind because we're really struggling on how we think. I think our tendency in life is that when things get hard, when things get challenging, uh, our flesh, our human nature is to wanna like retreat, wanna scale back, wanna pull back to kind of comfort and safety. And, and I don't think that's the life that God called us to live. I think it's, it's one of those things where as things get hard and challenging in life is when we should double down. As I was preparing this message, uh, right away when I was kind of writing this, I thought of Christmas 2020, last year, last Christmas. And uh, many of you will remember this, but uh, you know, our staff, I'll admit, we had our moment of sadness, maybe anger, pity, when we learned that, man, this grandiose plan that we had for Christmas and to be with all of you and to celebrate Christmas and have fun and nostalgia just wasn't gonna be a reality based on the restrictions. I mean, that was, that was real life. We allowed ourselves to walk through that. And, and what I love about the Southside DNA is that we know that we wanna be an organization no more before and always ask, man, what can we do? Who cares about what we can't do? What can we do? And so we didn't dwell on that moment. We really came together as a church and we thought, man, what can we do to be a source of hope in our community? What can we do to help our city through Christmas? Uh, what's something that we can do? And so we came up with this crazy idea that we were gonna put up half a million Christmas lights uh, on our property and have this Wonder Christmas Lights drive through I will admit, aptly named. It was wonderful. And we saw hundreds of volunteers come together and pour in hundreds, hundreds of hours into the Wonder drive through And then we saw... Uh, all the Christmas trees get blown over. And then we saw all the candy canes get bent literally in half from the wind. And then we saw Dave almost, well, almost pee his pants because he was so sad about it. Pastor Mike loves sharing that story, so I'll just get it out of the way before he brings it up next week. Uh, it almost happened. I almost let it go, like Elsa would say. And I was just so sad. And, and one of the coolest things I've seen is that that morning, 8 a.m., everything was destroyed, right in the middle of the drive through And man, the south side army came together and by noon it was everything was back up by noon i thought it was an impossible task it was incredible and what's super cool is god took that took that effort that decision to not give up to not just surrender to not retreat back and he took that and we saw over 12,000 people come through the one to drive through and you know what i know that's a seed of hope we still hear about that today Oh, you're that church that did that huge one? Man, our family loved that. It was so nice to be able to do something, you know, traditional and like experience Christmas without COVID in our face. Uh, and that's a seed of hope. And that's, that's, as a church, like that's who God called us to be, to not give up, to not surrender. He actually gave us, gave us through the Holy Spirit a power or a spirit of power and not fear. 
So as we come out of this kind of season in our lives, I just encourage you just to double down and step forward and step into that life. And I know we're gonna grow and change and God's gonna take that and actually change our city because of it. I think another thing that we're really struggling with coming out of the season is our motivation. And, and I know, like, talking through this pandemic that we're talking on a curve that some people are, like, excelling in their life. Uh, but I know a lot of people are struggling, and, man, we are, we are unmotivated. I feel like we're more, like, apathetic now than, like, we, kind of we've ever been. And, and I think a part of that is because through, um, through that season in our life, uh, everything was about me, right? I'm isolated at home. You know, I'm working from home. Uh, it's my opinions about everything. Uh, it's my vaccine. Everything was me, me, me. And we kind of got me-centric. And, and where, where I kind of started to see this uh, is actually if we fast forward from Christmas to our next holiday, Easter. Same scenario. You know, have a pity party with our staff for a day because we're so mad. Oh, it was so aggravating that we couldn't do Easter this year. And it's like, what can we do? We step back into it. And, and we came up with this idea, man, we're gonna throw the largest Easter egg scavenger hunt for adults and families that the city's ever seen. We're gonna rent a plane. We're gonna fly a giant banner around the city because it's cool. And we wanna advertise the Join the Hunt event. We at least just wanna spread hope this season and celebrate Easter together. And, and it was incredible. We saw thousands of people spread out over parks all over the city uh, just trying to find these Easter eggs for some sweet prizes. And you know what surprised me the most about our Join the Hunt event and Easter? No one wanted to volunteer. Like our kids team, our next gen team did an incredible job organizing, putting this together. And I remember being like, hey, how can I help? And they're like, can you phone people? And so I picked up the phone, I started phoning friends and, and Southsiders being like, hey, we got this thing coming up. We know we can't have church, but we're not gonna grovel in that. We wanna just celebrate, we wanna spread hope, we wanna have some fun. And we just wanna showcase that like, hey, Jesus changes us and, and we're not gonna dwell in the negativity. We're gonna go out there and do something positive and have fun. And I literally, on like one of the first phone calls, the answer I got was, <sighs> I was like, okay. And I think a part of it is I don't think we've even fully understood and processed the toll that these past 16 months have actually taken on us. I don't even think we have a clue yet how much it's changed us, like in here and in here. And, and I know that we are really gonna have to, to push through that. And Because the Join the Hunt event was incredible. Like my wife Becky and I, who's our nursery director, one of our tasks was we split up and we had to, well, originally we didn't think we were gonna have to do this. We thought we were, we thought we were prepared. Uh, but we were getting called. We're like, man, we're, we're out of Easter egg prizes. We need more chocolate. We have no prizes left. And so we split up and we started like literally just going to every dollar store, superstore, any store that sold like sugar. And, and like they thought we were crazy because we were going through like time and time again with like boxes of chocolate and prizes. And we'd get to a park, <laughs> we would get to a park, and there'd be hundreds of families having a great time, and two volunteers, probably staff, who are looking at us going, help us, get me out of here. Here's a bunch of chocolate, we gotta go. And it was an incredible event, it was so fun, but man, that is not what the church was created to be. 
Man, we do not operate at all. If you haven't learned this yet, at Southside Church, we do not operate in scarcity at all. And I just remember thinking, man, this isn't us. Like the heart behind this event is us, but this doesn't feel like Southside. Like, you know, we need to do this together. And it's funny to talk about now because I'm like, what we were completely overrun. Like I remember, oh, I don't think he's in here, but I remember uh, one of the stations for the kids to work to get prizes was this carrot, to- this carrot toss where they'd have to toss these giant carrots into this big Easter basket. And I remember showing to this park and by the end of the day, these were the dirtiest, saddest carrots you've ever seen. And I was just like, there have been thousands of people throwing these carrots. And it was awesome. And I know, again, it was a seed, but man, I remember walking away thinking, man, this is not us. Like, we need to do this together. And I know that when we look at, at the example that Jesus gave us in his last moments of serving each other, that, that that's actually uh, how we change our mind. And it's how, you know, we, we get motivated is we're actually created to do life together, to serve one another. And I already shared that earlier, that man, a lot of things that we go through in life are so that we can encourage other people and hold them up. And what's really interesting is over these past four weeks, we've had three communicators speaking. Pastor Lucas did an incredible job. Pastor Leah uh, did an incredible job. And you guys can vote however I'm doing. But one thing that's really interesting is that of all those weeks, there was a common theme and thread through all those messages. And it was that God is a plan for you He has steps for you to take, and you need to take them, if we really boiled it down. And what's crazy is we never sat down and had a meeting where we were like, what's this, what do we feel God's laying on our hearts that we can kind of package in this series so that we can keep growing and changing and changing our city? We wrote all these in isolation. It's a testament to the Holy Spirit speaking about what he wants us to hear. And what I find interesting is for these last three weeks, I feel like, you know, God's been kind of gently nudging, saying, hey, like, I I love you, and I want you to grow, and you need to take this step And I feel like this morning is probably like jacking it up a little bit because when I think of where we're headed as a church and as a city, and I'm here to tell you this, that being overrun at Easter was nothing because we are literally in the early days of a huge movement of God, a revival where he wants to breathe new life into dry bones. So what I'm here to tell you is that come the fall, when we start to put our life back together, Uh, There are going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of lost people walking into this church home. And I know that we want to meet those people. We want them to feel welcome. We want those people to to know God, discover God, to accept Jesus in their life, to keep growing, to get connected to friends in small groups and serving. And I know that if we're going to walk into that, what I feel that God has called us into, then we have to get off our asses and do something about it. You heard it here. And, and I, like, what I find interesting about our faith is in the early days of our faith, right? Our, it, it is about us. It's God talking to us, pulling us aside, building into us, changing us, and we're taking those steps. And there's a part of all of our faith journey where, where we have to not just understand that God wants to work in us, but begin to work through us. And we often kind of disqualify ourselves from that step, right? Oh, if they only knew what I did on the weekend, they wouldn't want me serving on the parking team, 
right? Oh, maybe I need to get baptized first and maybe I'll become, join a small group and then I'll start to maybe serve. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, there is a place for everyone. It actually doesn't matter where you're at. That there is a place for all of us to serve in the mission and vision of our church, right? We have people that serve on our teams that aren't even Christians because we believe that God's just working in and through people through this servant heart. And you don't need to be a Christian to want to serve. God actually places that step in front of all of us. It's the example that Jesus gave at his last act before his arrest, crucifixion, and resurrection was to serve. And so in typical fashion, this whole series, we have had a tangible next step for everyone. So when you walk out of the auditorium this morning, uh, you're gonna see a serving fair in the lobby. And that's where all of our teams, whether it's the guest experience team, uh, the, the guest, or the Sunday experience team, our facilities team, our groups, and community outreach, our next gen team, there literally is a space for everyone. And, and I just, I'm so inspired when I watch uh, you walking in that life of service. I mean, our, there, there was an awesome guy here, Josh, who's sitting right here first service. He's a part of our facilities team. And I told everyone, I'm like, he bled for you this morning. Because our facilities team had an epic battle with blackberry bushes this morning so that people walking to church don't have to walk through the blackberry bushes to get here. And he literally bled this morning uh, for you. I think that's so cool. I mean, I mean, I think it's... But there is a place for everyone. Every one of those teams needs your experience, needs your gifts, needs your story. And so I just encourage you that men, stepping up and serving today, I think could be one of your finest hours and start beginning to act out that life of service. So please, don't make me chase you in the parking lot because you walked out. I'm just kidding, I won't do that. Those days of my life are over. And I got one last thought for you. One of the things I see happening when we kind of start to live this like me-centric life, because I mean a comfortable life is about us, like an uncomfortable life isn't. But when we kind of have this, this, this motivation that like, man, I just need to like worry about me, I need to get mine. Or we have this mindset that like, man, I just need to retreat, I just need to hold back, like it's too tough right now. I know an area that that really hurts is our marriages. And I've seen that over these past 16 months. I've met with many of you. And I just wanna encourage you to fight that if you choose to serve your spouse to be the best version of yourself even if your spouse doesn't deserve it and to walk in grace and mercy and forgiveness to actually put them first it'll change your marriage and I think that step of you choosing to fight today could be your finest hour in your marriage Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says this. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many may enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. I want everyone to find it. I want absolutely everyone to find it. But one of the things I feel compelled to share with you is, is it doesn't mean we're gonna be led to an easy life. Nowhere does God or Jesus ever promise us an easy life. See, Jesus didn't come so that we could have an easy life. 
Jesus came so that the dead would live and that the lost would be found. You know, I shared that, that, that story of my mom. And we didn't have an easy life. I mean, I could tell you the hundreds of times where we sat and just cried together. Because she missed her high school sweetheart and I missed my dad. It wasn't easy, but she just led a life of faith and stepping through those hard moments. So my mom was a widow for 10 years. And then she met my stepdad. And they got married. And they had my little sister. And they were married uh, 26 years. I actually renewed their vows in my backyard in their 25th year. And then shortly a year after that, my mom was back east on business. And uh, I decided I'm, I'm going to check in with my stepdad, see how he's doing. And I couldn't get a hold of him. And I knew. So we called the police, we broke down the door, and he had passed away. And you know what I thought of in that moment? I thought of that moment that my mom chose to get on that ladder and to finish that dream because I knew what was ahead of me was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You gotta remember, I walked with my mom through all the sad, hard years after. And I knew that I was gonna have to pick up the phone, I was gonna have to call her and let her know that he had died. That yet again, she was gonna have to walk through this. It's not easy. But what Jesus provides is a life of hope. So as hard as that moment was to walk through that with my mom and know that we we're gonna walk through it again, because of Jesus, it changes everything. And we know that he just, he just went to heaven to be with the rest of his family and, 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 to, and with Jesus. Narrow is the gate, narrow is the, the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I want that for everyone. I want that for you. And so I want everyone to, to bow their heads and close their eyes. And that's because I want to create just a moment with you and me and God. And I don't want you to, to be worried about other people looking around or being embarrassed. Because I think for a lot of you, today could be one of your finest hours. I believe that, that every one of us is living a story. And God wants to write a chapter in your story. And it's a chapter of redemption. That no matter what you've been through, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter what hurts have happened against you, that God actually wants to lift you up and redeem you through the power of his son, Jesus Christ. And he's gonna walk with you and encourage you. And it's not gonna be easy, but you'll have hope and he'll give you strength and he'll give you power. And I know that there's people here that need to reach out and accept it. And so I'm gonna ask you, if you have never reached out and accepted Jesus into your life or into your heart, I'm gonna invite you to do that today. I know that, that God and Jesus have been speaking into you. I think that's why you're here. It's not a coincidence that you walked in today. And God is literally trying to get your attention. And he's calling out to you because he loves you. He sent his son for you. You're worth dying for. And he wants to redeem you in your life. And if you've never accepted salvation, never accepted this free gift that Jesus offers us, 
I want you to do that today. So I'm gonna simply invite you, please raise your hand if today is the day where you're like, man, I wanna step out of a life of fear and step into a life of hope. I've never accepted Jesus, but today is the day that I'm gonna reach out my hand nice and high so I can see it. I'm gonna invite Jesus into my life. And if that's it, maybe you're watching online this morning and you're in your car or your backyard, wherever, you can do this too. Okay, awesome, you can put your hands down. So keep your eyes closed. I'm gonna, sing, I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you raised your hand or you know in your heart that man, this is my step today, or you're online, I want you to just close your eyes and, and say this prayer quietly in your heart. Jesus, thank you so much for sending your son or God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, for me. God, I am a sinner in need of a savior, that I'm a broken person that needs to be made whole. God, that I lay my sins, my mess, my mistake, my life down at the cross, and I open up my heart and accept Jesus into it so that I can have a full and abundant life, a life that I was called to live. In your name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate that, Southside? If you prayed that prayer for the first time before you leave today, I want you to text the keyword life to 604-670-3040. The reason we ask you that is because we just want to simply give you an opportunity to connect because we want to support you in the step that you've just taken. We want to encourage you. We want to send you some resources that probably answer some of the questions you have about this, this first step you've taken. And so please text that in just so we can start giving you some of that stuff and provide a chance for you to kind of have us serve you. So finally, Southside, I just want to encourage you and say, hey, you've, you've lived a hard life and today might be hard, but if we give those moments, those things to God, he's going to continue to redeem us, to work in and through us, to grow us, to change us, and he's going to use that to actually change the world in and through his son Jesus through us. And I know that God has not brought you this far to only bring you this far. And because of Jesus in the empty tomb, the best really is yet to come. I love you guys. I hope to see you all back next week for Pastor Mike. He's gonna be up here. He can't wait to speak with you again. Uh, don't make me chase you in the parking lot. Please join of our team so that we can continue to change our city. In Jesus' name, love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.